so as, um, as I was saying, so I'm in, I'm, I'm moving into this new, 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 new condo and trying to figure out life. And, and, and as you, as someone who moves from one place to another, you know, you have to tidy up your old place, pack up everything. And, and you realize that, um, I don't know about you, but I am a hoarder. I, I hoard a lot of things. I have a lot of these things where, is it, it's like this very subtle Asian thing where you go and look at the things you have and you're like, hmm, um, do I need this? Well, maybe I'll need this in the future. So let's save this just in case. So maybe five years from now, this will become useful or maybe it will be very expensive to buy this thing. So let's hold on to this thing that, that I never used for the past five years just in case I'll make use of it down the road or like, this very broken piece of item, and you think, well, I'll have time and I'll fix it as well in, in, in some in some time later in the future. So let's hold on to this thing, and then maybe I'll use it in the future. So let's just keep it. And so, as day goes by, you, you keep holding on these things, and then you get more and more and more, and then you're like, well, before you know it, when you're trying to move to a new place, you're like, where did all these things come from? Like. I might have a mountain of like now kind of junk that's sitting in my house, and I, I see I see somebody um, in the nursery, uh, and he he was sharing a few years back about how he he likes to buy clothes, and he has a lot of clothes. He even has a spreadsheet of jeans of the jeans he got, and and that's how intense it is. And so he would know what I mean by by the topic today. Does it spark joy? So if if you don't know, there was um. This Netflix series that got really popular um, recently, and there's this Japanese lady called Mary Kondo, and she was uh, famous for teaching people how to live a very minimalist life. So try to not have too many things in your life and how to say goodbye to things that you might not need <clears throat> and things that you, you don't really uh, need to keep so that you have a very decluttered and simple lifestyle. And so the question that she always tells people to ask themselves is, does this thing that you have spark joy? Does this thing actually give you happiness or, 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 or is a part of your life that you should be part of? If not, then maybe it's time to say goodbye to this thing. And so why am I talking about this? Um, I realize that in our Christian walk, it's kind of like this too in, in the way we live out our faith. There, there's a phenomenon or, or, or even, quote-unquote, a disorder that we'd call um, the Christian hoarder, where in, in our lives we, we might say our goal is to worship God, but in the same time we also look for these things as we try to worship God. We look for affirmation, whether it may be from God or from other people. We look for fulfillment. We, we need um, the things we do to be fulfilling, whether it may be fellowship or, or, or these camps that we go to or, or, or even on a Sunday morning level, that we need to feel fulfilled, that something spoke to me, that I feel energized and alive when I come to these events. Or, or even something that's fun, like I need it to be enjoying for me. Or, or, or something that enriched me, something that makes me feel I'm smarter, I'm wiser, I am more... Um, further down this path of being a Christian by doing these things. Or, or at the end, like, a lot of times people come because they want 
a sense of community, that they want to feel belong. They want to have people <coughs> affirm them that they, they, they are loved and they are part of something greater. And so as we try to worship, we end up trying to <coughs> try to uh, amass these things in our lives that um, maybe when you evaluate how good <coughs> my worship experience is, I need to think of, oh, did I make more friends as a result of coming to these things? Do I feel wiser, smarter? Or, or even at the end, like <coughs> you, when you try to get these things, it starts to encroach your worship life that if, if this friendship thing is more important than you try to compromise your worship and say, okay, well, if I don't make friends in this worship, maybe I have to go somewhere else so that I can get this worship. Or if I don't feel um, enriched, let's go to this other program or let's uh, replace or substitute this thing in this church to go to another place so that I get these things to, to have this perfect experience that we're searching for. And so this is something that's very common where even I went through this during my Christian life where I would go to uh, this church and get this fellowship here and then I'll go to small group in this other church and then Sunday I'll come back to my home church so, well, at least I'm worshiping at my home church so I'm part of this group and I don't lose connections with my friends who I grew up with that I've been part of something all this life. And is it a bad thing? Maybe not necessarily, but is it the best thing? And that's something that we need to think about. And today's passage kind of touches upon this idea of what does it mean then when we try to pursue in our faith and this treasure of heaven. So today's passage comes from this very famous parable in uh, the book of Matthew. And it comes in uh, a pair of parables, actually. And the first one that Jesus talked about is the parable of the treasure in the field. And so as the passage goes, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so a lot of times when we look at this passage, we'll, we'll just think and it's just another one, one of these passages that tells you, okay, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is important, so we need to give up everything, and then we, we go and pursue this, and then we get this kingdom of heaven, and we're good to go. But that's just on a service level, and if we look at it that way, sometimes we will just miss the point, and we will not know what exactly Jesus is trying to tell us. And to understand this story better, you need, to, you need to know what is going on in the culture around this time. So you might think, why does this guy have to hide the treasure? Like, why, why not he just takes it and runs with it? So according to the Jewish laws back then, if someone found something valuable in the field, that piece of treasure even if you found it, belongs to the person who owns that piece of land. And so if you found something valuable, then you, you, if you run with it, if you take it and run, you're considered stealing from, from the owner. And hopefully they don't, find, they don't find out, but then if they do, you would get punished and you might even get uh, stoned to death. So 
It's pretty cool. But that's the reality of the law. But instead, if you hide it without them knowing, and then you go and buy that piece of land, then you are the rightful owner. So whatever's underneath this piece of land would be rightfully yours. And it's actually quite common, too, to have treasure hidden in fields because this is a time when um, the world is very unstable. There is no such thing as a safety deposit box or, 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 or bitcoins where you can hide something in the cloud and then no one can steal it from you. But instead, people do hide treasure in jars and then they cover it and then they put it under the soil and hide it and they would roughly remember where it is. And so in times of trouble, they would go to the field and they would dig up treasure and then they run off with this. And, and usually it's something that is transferable that they can carry and run away with. And so this guy who found this piece of treasure definitely saw that it's worth way more than a piece of land that he has to pay for. And so he took it and he bought the land and the treasure along with it. But then you think, so what's the big deal? Well, like, we know that the kingdom of God is important, and so we should do everything we can to, to, to do this. It, it sounds like self-explanatory. But of course, in human nature, we know that it's hard. Like, to tell me to go and give up things that are valuable to me, whether it may be my friends, my reputation, my fame, my wealth, my health, my resources, like, uh, it's hard, like, if you tell me, oh, like, to go inherit the kingdom of God, I need to give up my job, or, like, I have to give up playing computer games. Like, you, if you don't know, like, computer games is a big part of my life, and I spend way too much time doing it, uh, much to my embarrassment. But um, to do that, I'll be like, hmm, wait a minute, but what if I just give up a tiny piece of this, and... I would give up one hour of gaming out of my 12 hours of gaming in a week, then it would be fine, right? But that's not what God is asking, right? But why is it that human beings find it so hard to give up things for something that is supposedly valuable, like the treasure in the kingdom of earth? And this is where Mary Kondo actually says something that is quite relevant. She says that but when we really delve into the reasons why we can't let something go, there are only two reasons. An attachment to the past and a fear for the future. An attachment to the past and a fear for the future. And these are essentially the things we struggle with every time when we try to make decisions that we're either triggered by our fears that paralyzes us, like what Sabrina sh- shared earlier, that there are so many uncertainties that are, that are um, ahead of her because of this, uh, things that he does, she doesn't know. And, and so, so, so she's unwilling back then to take that risk. Or the idea that there are things that are uh, things that we have experienced that has held us back, that there are trauma that we have experienced that have disappointed us, that has um, caused us pain or causes uh, discomfort, that we don't want to relive, relive these things. 
So we don't want to make these risks in order to, even if something's amazing, something that is so valuable that, that is ahead of us, we don't want to make those risks because we don't want to relive those experiences. And so this is totally normal as a human being because of who we are, uh, that we don't want to give up these valuable things for the kingdom of earth. And at the same time, we hoard things that, that are valuable to us, that these things do give us comfort. These things do kind of mellow out these fears we have in the future, that having friends help us get a sense of comfort, having wealth give us security, and having affirmation makes us not fear about the future because we know that someone would value us regardless of what we do. And so, as I look into my own life, like, this is hard. So what can we do? And, and this is where I heard this story that was really crazy, that I can't imagine happening in real life that it happened. So, um, so, so Pastor Gilbert was talking to this neighbor of his, and um, apparently they're in their early 60s, and they're retired semi-retired, and so every year, they would go on these crazy excursions. So, so this past one that they had, they went to this place in Cambodia, and they found online this very remote cave that they want to go visit. And so what they did was they got everything connected and sorted out with some agent that they've never met in Cambodia, and what they did at, at their time there was they took the flight there, and then they took a bus to this really remote intersection in the middle of nowhere where they get off the bus and there's like nothing in that intersection other than this con convenience store that was in the middle of nowhere. Then they waited there until there's a kind of a beaten down pickup truck that picks them up that, that was driven by someone that's never met in their life. And they get onto the back of this pickup truck where they take like a one hour truck ride to this, um, to this dock in the middle of nowhere, and then they got onto this boat driven by this other person that they've also never met, and take another hour on this, on, this, on this boat to this random place. And then they get off, and they hike another two hours to get to this cave. And, and, and like, I was thinking in my mind, like, so many things can go wrong. Like, can you imagine, like, two different random strangers that drove you in this place you've never been? You have no reception. You don't even have GPS, so you don't really know where you are. And you go by faith, trusting that they'll get you to this place that you agreed to. And then you still have to hike to this remote, like, there's no actual path. They have to create their own path to get to this cave. And, and, and they, were share, they were sharing with Pastor Gilbert that it was really worth it. It was one of the most amazing experiences they had. And it was a really, really beautiful cave. And it was worth it. And so... I was thinking, that's kind of like our own faith, where in our life with Jesus, there's all these incidents that God was calling us that, okay, go, go talk to this random stranger, or, or go on this random trip to, to this random place. And then you're like, are you sure, God? Like, I've never been here, and, and I'm an introvert, and I'm a, I'm a very pessimist thinker. I overthink, and then I think of these, like, what if, things go wrong. What's the worst case that could happen if I talk to the stranger? Maybe he is some serial killer and he would invite me to his house and he would chop me in pieces and eat me alive. Like, things can go wrong. 
and why are you telling me to do this? And, and God would be like, just do it, and you'll see. And, and then, of course, I'm not telling you to take crazy, unreasonable risks, like don't jump off the cliff just because you think that's what God tells you to do. He won't tell you to do ridiculous things that makes no sense, right? Like, there's some logic to it. Maybe you won't get it till much later, but there's still some logic to it. But a lot of times, we need to think, we think our life of Jesus, what does it mean when God tells us to do these things that are seemingly unreasonable in our own eyes? And in the same time, in the very passage that we talked about, he talks about this guy that he, he doesn't just sell something valuable to him. He doesn't just go and find and, 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 and say, okay, there's some gold coins in my house, so let's just take some gold coins and buy this land. Jesus actually said he goes and sells all that he has. He sold all that he has. Everything that has value in his life, he gave up in order to buy this piece of land. But there's no specific amount that was mentioned in, in this passage. He didn't say exactly how much it was worth, but it was about everything he got, that everything that was worth something, he gave it in order to buy this piece of land. And who knows, maybe it wasn't even enough, but the owner saw that conviction and decided to give him this piece of land. And in the same time, it's kind of like our life. When things do get tough, Giving is really giving to God when it really starts hurting to you. That giving up maybe a little bit of something that's comfortable to you is not really true giving until it starts to give you pain. And it differs in different people. Maybe a thousand dollars is nothing to someone who makes, who, who makes six figures a year. But to someone who is trying to make ends meet, a thousand dollars is life and death to them. Or to give up an hour of study time to do something for God may not mean much to a straight-A genius student, but maybe to someone who is struggling to pass the course. An hour of the time on, 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 on a few days before the exam might mean a lot to them. And so Jesus is saying, this guy actually gave up things that matter to him in order to pursue this walk of faith. And it might mean different things to you, whether it may be for affirmation, for fulfillment, for fun, for enrichment, or for friendship. There are these things that mean something to you that you have to consider. Is it something that you're willing to put on the table for God to become real in your life, for God to, to enact in the people around you? And so, does it spark joy? What does it mean? To, to follow Jesus. It's supposed to be something that is joyful. And if it doesn't give you joy, it's something that you need to reconsider in your life. Just like that guy who went and sold everything. He said that it was all done in his joy, that he gave up everything. It wasn't a chore that he was doing. It wasn't something that he felt he was guilt-tripped into doing. It's not something that he was coerced into doing, but something that because he see the joy in it, he wholeheartedly poured whatever he got because he knows that it's worth it. And once again, we come to that question. 
but it's so hard and it's not fair. Why do you have to give up everything? Like if God is so amazing and powerful and loving and graceful, I shouldn't have to do anything and I will still receive it. And to some extent, that is true. God is gracious and he will still give you everything, even if you don't give up everything for God. But something would be missing in your life if you don't try to go for the things that start to hurt you, that you're willing to sacrifice. And we're able to do this, we know that we can do this, because God has first done it in his own life. And when you look at this parable, this pair of parables, we might think that these two stories are pretty much the same thing. Why is Jesus talking about the hidden treasure and then talks about this hidden pearl? Like, isn't that just we saying the same point with just different stories? But that's where we need to look carefully, that there's something slightly different when we look at the second parable and the parable of the treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. It's like a merchant searching for fine pearls. You realize that the first parable, the kingdom is the treasure, and we are the ones seeking these treasures. But if you look at the second parable, the characters are actually inverted. We are actually the treasures that God is seeking, that the kingdom of heaven are, is the merchant, that God is able and willing to went and sold all that he had. He would give up all these precious things that he had in order to redeem us in order for us to inherit and be part of this kingdom of heaven. That we are also dearly beloved. And so it's not just us pursuing God when we go through this journey into the kingdom of heaven. God is equally using his son to give up what is valuable in order for us to inherit this kingdom of God. And so even if we go through tough times, even when we feel that it is hard to give up things that are valuable to us, we can remember that the greatest joy in Christian walk is to know that even if we risk and lose everything, even when we risk and lose everything, we can remain joyful because God first became man to give up almost all that he had so that we can have the greatest treasure in life. That God, as a human, gave up all that he had so that we can receive this greatest treasure in life. And so we go, we go back to the very point we started with, that what is this idea of minimalism? Why do we have to prune things in our lives? God doesn't tell us to give up things just because he's a sadistic God and wants to wash his subject. But he once told us in his own life that for where your treasures are, there your heart will also be. That as we are cluttering our lives, as we are trying to fill our lives with these other treasures, we will not have room to see what is really the most valuable and precious thing in our lives. That 
God is being shoved and shoved and shoved further into a corner if we try to fulfill these different things that we think will give us joy. And so, maybe this is where we're coming to when we approach this season of Easter. A lot of times we think of Jesus dying on the cross. We think of these um, things that Jesus suffered, that these things that Jesus has gone through in order to give us this kingdom of heaven. But we like to highlight this idea of Jesus, but a lot of times if we don't think of these other things that are taking up space in our lives, the Jesus in our lives might still be very small. That he's trying to, it's like a giant in this tiny little shack. He's trying to cramp himself in this shack, but he can't because you already have all that junk already stuck in this little shack. And it's only when we try to slowly prune out these things, like why these things matter to us, or maybe it doesn't matter to us as much as we think they are, that God will become more and more visible in the life, in our walk of faith. Let's pray together. Father God, we give thanks for your gift of life. We thank you for giving up everything you have so that we can be redeemed and be part of this treasure in heaven. So Lord, as we continue to pursue this faith we have, may we continue to figure out what are the things that truly spark joy in our lives and what are the things that we can learn to let go because you first choose to let go of valuable things so that we can be part of it. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.